1: Welcome to On The Bench. This is our instant reaction podcast. We're here just a few moments after FSU loses to Clemson by a score of 30 to 20. I got my guys here, Chris nee and Brendan Sinone. Um, we're going to break it all down. This was a heartbreaker. It took, it looked like FSU was going to potentially steal it away when Jermaine Johnson put FSU up by three with seven minutes to go, but it wasn't over. The Tigers got a 21-yard touchdown run by running back Will Shipley with two minutes and 53 seconds remaining um, to retake the lead. FSU wasn't able to score again. They had the ball with when time ran out, but they did some weird play and fumbled and turned it over. And those that uh, bet, um, you know, the outcome of this one was up for grabs as the uh, Tigers scored a touchdown at the end. I want to bring in Chris Knee and Brendan Sinone. Chris, you want to start it up first? What were some of your thoughts on this one?
0: Uh, Well, that was a heck of a backdoor cover if I've ever seen one. Damn Vegas. Um, I I mean, FSC didn't play very well, truthfully. They played hard and they made an effort and they tried for 60 minutes and all that stuff matters to some degree, but they offensively were fairly – I don't want to use inept. I think that's unfair. Clemson's a pretty good defense, but they just – they couldn't do a whole heck of a lot offense where they averaged two per carry 64 rushing yards on the day season low for them rushing it jordan travis as a rusher averaging 57 yards per game entering the game completely solved today ended up with negative rushing yards yeah i mean they the the clemson defensive line is quite talented and they completely dominated dominated fsu at the point of attack especially on the inside um dylan gibbons Uh, Devontae Love-Taylor, two guys that are banged up to high heavens. I was kind of surprised Gibbons even played, truthfully, knowing what his week was like after getting banged up last week in the game. They didn't play well. They tried really hard. They made a heck of an effort. I'm not going to knock them for it, but Mm -hmm. they kind of got, you know, Clemson got the better of them, plain and simple at the point of attack. Uh, defense gave up a lot of yards to a Clemson offense that isn't particularly good. Will Shipley finished with a buck and a quarter rushing the ball on the night, had two touchdowns. Uh, his 20, what, one yard or 24-yard or something like that late in the game is what kind of put Clemson ahead and, for all intents and purposes, helped to seal the victory for them. And, uh, you know, I didn't find DJ to be all that impressive. Justin Ross is still a pretty good player, even though he's not the player he once was before the injury. But he had a good night, very productive for them. Um, you know, but the FSU defense did create three takeaways. Jermaine Johnson's play was awesome, monumental. I won't lie, I had a moment where I let my guard down and may have cheered a little bit. Um, didn't mean uh... These these <laughs> things happen when you've lost five in a row, Josh Newberg, okay? <laughs> a man needs a victory against Clemson in his life.
1: Um, did Anna Hickey so, yell at you? Yeah.
0: I didn't actually see Anna this evening. I don't know if she was on the field shooting photos or if I just sent cross paths with her, but I, I didn't see her or Corey, who also works with us, like Corey Fravel.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at the end of this one, I was I was marinating in the pain of having this game slip through the fingers. But I, I thought back to the summer and the conversations that we had about expectations. Um, we, fans included, asked for a competitive team this year. Uh, Coming off three wins all of last season, the fans, us, we asked to be competitive in games like these against our rivals. Um, And I always say in the offseason, like, it sounds great to say, yeah, we would be happy if we're competitive. Well, guess what? This was exactly what you asked for in the offseason. But I don't care. It still hurts. Like, no matter how... (laughs) nonchalantly we can talk about competitive games in the offseason in reality they still hurt
2: even Josh like when you talk about when we say oh this team five or six wins is what we're looking at Mm -hmm. and if the fan base in general is like behind you with that be like okay we can kind of understand that this is what a five and five or six win team looks like sans that Jacksonville State disaster I mean are are you kidding me
1: Florida State had I mean, think about back to the summer when we talked about the FSU Clemson game. I mean, forget about the other games. But when we talked about this game specifically, if I would have told you that Florida State had the ball with, with you know, and could have gone down and scored to win the game, I mean, that yeah. to me is a competitive game. I You know, obviously yeah. the offense looked inept. I, I'll say it. You didn't want to say it. But the second half, the offense was completely inept. If it wasn't for Jermaine Johnson taking the game into their hands, you know, it, this wouldn't have even been that close. But um, I don't know. Brandon, what, what do you think from just an overview perspective of this one?
2: A, a few things. First, this is kind of the team that I thought FSU would be at the start of the year after they kind of dealt with their shell shock from the JSU game and it took them a little while to kind of find themselves and figure out what their identity was going to be. This was what I thought Florida State would be in the sense that they would be able to compete in some games. In other games, they just wouldn't have – quite enough talent to get mm-hmm. over the hump. Uh, there's things we can go over schematically that, that yeah, FSU could have certainly done better. I've seen some fans saying, uh, you know, Mike Marvel got pencil wept by Davo Swinney. I, I don't know if I viewed it that way. I think there's a lot of overreaction and emotional fans right now. I mean, this team played hard. Uh, they created turnovers, which was really cool to see. And guys on defense after a really bad first half respond well, not really bad, but, but a poor first half respond well on defense. I do think this program is growing. I do. I don't know if it's going to get to where it needs to be like under Mike Norvell, but I think about the last time Chris and I came up to Clemson in 2019, we were coming back from that game with me getting calls from all sorts of sources, wondering what's going on with, with Willie Taggart and the direction of that program. And, mm-hmm. you know, grant granted, um, a very different Clemson program at that point too. So part of closing that gap is that Clemson is a, a very average Clemson team. Um, but you're an average football team, a very average Florida state team. And you know, your average was slightly below Clemson's average tonight. So I don't know. There's a lot of takeaways that people are having, uh, trying to make too much of, of this either being a moral victory or saying this shouldn't be a moral victory. Bottom line is FSU played hard. They were too limited on offense with injuries and, um, and, and couldn't make enough plays there. And the defense was too soft early to, to really overcome some of those shortcomings, but you know, they played hard. They belonged on the same field as Clemson. You can say what you want about this Clemson team. They've lost three games by a score. They've won what four games by a, by a score or so yeah. five. Well, they won but five this, total, but four by a score. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. This is an average FSU football team and and they played an average team tonight and yeah. fell up a little bit short, but they played hard. I-
1: I thought that Jordan Travis um took a step or two back tonight. I thought that he looked much more comfortable in the pocket um in previous games of course, you know, we we say that with the UMass preface, but he looked more <laughs> uh, comfortable. The good old
2: UMass preface.
1: <laughs> but he looked more comfortable in the pocket reading uh his receivers. Uh this game, of course, I don't have the all 22 so I can't can't necessarily see what Jordan Travis was watching when I was watching the game but it seemed like he kind of had that deer in the headlights look when he was looking downfield like he really wasn't looking downfield Whoa. he was just maybe delaying his 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 exit i don't i feel like there was times when He needed to stay in the pocket and there was times when he needed to run the football. Don't get me wrong, but there was times when he needed to stay in the pocket and he had that extra time. And I don't know what he was looking at down the field, but I I just felt like he was a little uncomfortable in the pocket and for good reason.
2: I, I think there are two or three things at play there. And I agree with you. He didn't seem super comfortable. Part of that is, you know, Clemson's defensive front got a ton of pressure. Chris Mm -hmm. mentioned the interior, the offensive line. There's a few plays where Maurice Smith gets pushed back almost instantaneously. Um, And when you're dealing with that kind of pressure, that changes the game and changes the way you're processing things. I think one thing about Jordan, even though we keep seeing these these little strides, like some of the throws he made tonight were impressive. uh, He's still not super quick at at always uh, processing pressure and and dealing with it. Well, Uh, the thing that I thought was kind of frustrating about the way he played, I think he tried to do a little bit too much. He let the UNC game, granted a a very different caliber of defense. He let that North Carolina game come to him. He didn't force runs, or if there Mm -hmm. was a run that was there, he would take it. He didn't force throws. He didn't force things. He let it all kind of organically fall to him. I saw some things against UMass that I didn't like where I thought he was trying to maybe do a little bit too much as a runner. And then tonight it felt like he was trying to do too much as a passer sometimes where he'd roll around in the pocket, scramble, have his eyes downfield instead of running for three or four yards. He would try to make a big play. I don't know if that was part of them just understanding that, hey, you're not probably going to sustain drives and you're going to have to push the ball downfield. But I think they left way too many yards on the field with Jordan maybe trying to be too aggressive at times as a passer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll I'll add to that point. mm -hmm. The other thing that I did
0: not like about Jordan this evening. You're playing a team that's aggressive, quick, capable of getting you down to the ground. You know Brent Venables is going to bring it defensively. They're going to be effective. I know he's a backyard football player when it comes to scrambles and he makes things happen. Sometimes it's magical. But against a team like that, you can't spin away from the line of scrimmage and get deeper as much as he did it this evening because too often it turns what's going to be a loss no matter what from being a couple of yards lost, two to four somewhere in that ballpark, to potentially double digits and it puts you in situations where with this fsu team that you're dealing with you simply can't win because you're dealing with such long yardage on downs i mean people will complain. go ahead josh
1: i don't think i don't think uh jordan travis's best move is that spin move like he has for no, some no, reason no. that spin move is not near like we saw ej Manuel pull that off he wasn't more yes. athletic than jordan but for whatever reason jordan just isn't that that reverse spin move doesn't work for jordan
2: well, it's not a natural. I mean,
1: but he has almost better like move. Panic
2: move. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jordan's a great. Well, you were watching I, Kenny that's... Pickett.
1: Kenny Pickett hit it on Miami like three times in a row um today. Some guys are. I just think just watching Kenny Pickett do it. I I just think some guys are maybe more natural at the the reverse spin. I,
2: I don't know. It was a panic. The spins for him is a panic move. I feel like is part mm-hmm. of the issues, he does it when he's not comfortable or feels like pressure's coming. And that's his first move. And that's just, yeah, like Chris said, once you turn your back on someone, that that does open up some disastrous potential. Clemson has guys who can chase you down. They they have athletes. And they,
0: they will also, and they did tonight, they would use people, whether it was a linebacker, safety or a corner, that essentially was playing the opposite side of the pressure. So when you spun away from the pressure, you were spinning to a guy who was waiting for you. So there wasn't suddenly where the field had been tilted and you had this huge lane and you could go work it, which is something Jordan's done effectively at times. You just can't get away with that kind of stuff against a team of Clemson's caliber on defense. Right,
1: right. Um, Let's talk a little bit um, about personnel usage. I think one of the main things that stuck out to me is we saw Akeem Dent back in there playing a substantial role in the secondary.
2: And played well in the secondary. And he had had a good week of practice, too, where he was flashing, and I thought he played well
1: did you expect um, him to get the start based on what you saw? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. He's been trending back um, for a little bit now. And they're and they're really shallow at, at depth in the secondary. Sidney Williams, Nor uh, Miko Dotson were available tonight, and both those guys practiced during the week. So you know that that, or at least when we were there. So that was an interesting development. Um, you know the, the secondary depth. You know Travis Jay giving up that touchdown pass when he's in position, Jeez. and and that's that's a toughie. Um, Omarion Cooper ends up making an interception, Mm -hmm. you know, a a big one. FSU's not able to capitalize on it, but the freshman makes a really nice play where the, the, you know, they bracket the wide receiver. I'm pretty sure he enters the rotation for Travis J. don't know if we saw Travis a whole lot after that series on, on defense. So that was one personal uh, use that was interesting to me. I I do want to point back to two things on offense with personnel. One, Chris mentioned the offensive line. I know we've talked about Dylan Gibbons, and you've had reports on it that he was going to try to push and and play. Um, hold on, I'm trying to get on the highway here. Yeah,
1: and this and basically, yeah, I'll take it just for a second. But this is kind of what I was hearing. You know, we I expected him to play today just because he he has you know he's a tough kid and and he can make a go of it. But yeah, it sounded you know he was borderline for sure. I I even texted you before the game. I was like, hey, is he dressed out?
2: He was even doing like warm ups, like he wasn't able to do some things that other guys mm-hmm. were doing. I- I'm surprised, you know, this isn't like I'm not going to critique someone for trying to play through pain. He's been doing that all year, too. Him and Devontae Taylor even playing, got it out like it's impressive. I'm surprised that they at some point didn't say, let's see what Baby on Johnson gives us, or even Brady Scott, like for both those guys, just to kind of give them a break, yeah. catch their breath, see if that changes anything. Because they, at first glimpse, seemed so ineffective. They both had penalties uh, after that. Marion Cooper interception too, Josh. I think that was a, a key moment. That you know, you have these two veterans, these these guys who've been around college football for a long time, having false starts. That's a toughie. Uh, and then the other, the other personnel aspect I want to bring up. I, I believe Cam McDonald got dinged up. We saw him early on. Didn't mm-hmm. see him at all in the second half. They had a ton. Uh, of their game plan built around freeing him up and him plays, and for that to happen, you know, midway through the game is is tough because uh, you don't have anyone else who can really replicate what he's doing uh, as a receiving tight end. Um, Jordan so, Jordan Wilson ended up being the person yeah. who had the most receptions for He, he, he made a couple of nice catches. I was going to say, just, you
1: know, yeah, he, he came in there. And... Had,
2: I don't. I don't think we had uh, anyone had Jordan uh, Wilson as the leading. <laughs> receiver for FSU entering the game so you know, those are things that happen throughout the game and yeah I, you know, they're just
1: well I also I noticed uh, Malik McLean got the start I don't know how many starts he's gotten this season um, but did he catch a ball
2: I don't, I don't even so. remember he one being so.
1: thrown his way
2: he allowed yeah. at least one you know there was one instance where he allowed uh, there was a ball that was bounced outside I can't remember who was running it but he allowed the cornerback to get inside of him I think maybe it was a Jordan Travis run um the perimeter blocking wasn't good today and that was disappointing given how good it was against umass but you know you're going up against a substantially better defense you weren't mm-hmm. able to really assert yourself and malik McLean was kind of an example of of a young guy who i think was a little overwhelmed by the, the speed and physicality of clemson's defense
1: yeah so uh, chris, yeah go ahead chris
2: you had the luxury of watching
0: the game F- mm-hmm. as you commit i eight or nine penalties a little bit of their old haunts came back in that regard we talked about the false starts for the o-line and some of that but you know there's a dj Lundy hit out of bounds they're going to protect quarterbacks it is what it is jerry and jones called for pi i think it was a fair call he, they were trading blows kevin knowles the penalty on him a critical play i'm watching it up in our angle and we're on the far end opposite of him and they're on the fsu sideline so that's like Exact opposite corner from where we're sitting. Kevin Knowles is very fundamentally sound, technique sound. He's not a guy that tends to get grabby or super aggressive in a bad way. I, replay, I didn't see it. What did you think watching TV? And Norvell was asked about it after the game because it was such mm-hmm. a critical penalty, and he, he gave you know he said it was a judgment call. Essentially, was his way of dancing around it because you can only say so much about officiating without getting yourself in trouble. But what did you think watching on TV? Good call, bad call? No and I
1: call. thought it was a terrible call. But as soon as it happened, I knew the flag was going to come out because they flagged Jerry and Jones on it, you know, two plays before. So I, I knew that they were going to do it because of for whatever consistency, because it looked identical. But the second one was, I mean <laughs> – he played it perfectly. Like he didn't in RG three, I think said it best. Like he did nothing to impede the wide receiver. He played the ball perfectly. Like he played, he played it perfect. Um, But I knew the flag was going to come out. So it it wasn't a a surprise, just the way that was going. I mean, I know they said there was 30 yards, but didn't the whole drive also start on a Jermaine Johnson personal foul too? another 15 yards on the kickoff?
0: FSU had to kick from deeper back, therefore yeah. it ended up shorter because
2: of the Jermaine Johnson. Because I, I guess he threw the ball in the air. So they the- they really
1: only went like twelve yards on that drive, <laughs> All the yeah, I,
2: I think it was thirty-seven yards of offense to score a touchdown, or something in that. that was, line. Yeah. The whole drive was fifty-three yards. And that's including the penalty yards.
1: <sighs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it had did, the uh, feeling uh, that, that it. I didn't. I didn't. I, I felt like Clemson was going to drive the field. I didn't have any like. I didn't feel very good about the defense stopping Clemson, especially when the refs got involved.
2: Yeah. I asked Norvell, I felt similarly, Josh, that, that Clemson was at least going to get into the red zone and then, you know you got to see what happens then. But
1: right, um, yeah. I asked
2: Norvell after, if like, is, like, is that how you, did, did Kevin play that ball the correct way? He basically said, yeah, that's how we, we coach him up. And you know, it's a judgment call, but he was livid, livid after that and on, the sideline. on the sideline. And you know, Norvell doesn't get after the refs a ton. Um, he's not a red ass in that way but like he he got into them there and i yeah. think he was right to do so that was yeah. he, the, the, the thing like the jerry and jones one i thought was a little bit like he got there a little bit early. he got there a little kevin early kept, a tad early yeah kevin kevin got there like a millisecond early but like he just put his hands around the waist and that's i mean you're kind of cl- and the dude. thing i'll say about well. that is very about, well um,
1: about get your head around in a bang bang play like that, if you try to get your head around and your body kind of shades to the right or to the left, maybe he catches it. If you try to get your head around in that instance and you and you lose a half a step, maybe it goes over your head and he catches it. So I think Kevin Knowles had it timed up perfectly, and that was just a shame.
2: I just hate the refs getting involved in that stage of the game. No, like against Syracuse, like they didn't call the holding penalties potentially. Um, because similarly, like you don't want to get involved late. In a game, unless something's glaring and it's a one sided, you know, change the game type of play. I think it may have been the same head official for Syracuse game. Oh like, my I'm not God. sure. I'd have to double check that, but I think that might be the case. All the layers to this. But hey, guys, look how far we've come. Look how far we've come. We're, we're dissecting a couple plays, a couple series, uh, a couple calls by officials against Clemson.
1: Oh, uh, speaking, teams- speaking of oh. dissecting special teams, oh. what the fuck?
2: Oh, God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very Marshawn Lynch of you. Um, I, I thought I thought tonight was a little big for Trayshawn Ward in the sense of like he you didn't know, handle it particularly well.
1: Oh I think some of that God. offense
0: plays. He's a crease runner, and they're very good at filling creases and all that. But letting that ball bounce there at the end and run another I don't know half a dozen seconds off the clock yeah. when you are looking to run three or four plays and you pretty much get pushed into a situation where at best you're gonna have two or three. Uh, they you you can't have that like that's not good and obviously the shorter kickoff because of the drum jermaine johnson penalty leads to a short field leads
2: points um,
1: blocked extra point.
2: points for sure wait the, the block yeah. extra point and like that's just like like you it's to the point where you can't like trust your kicker to make extra points
1: kicking the ball out of bounds on the I mean, opening the kickoff
2: I mean, yeah, and they had practice trying, right? Kind of, but like that's yeah, that, that early you know, one, yeah. I mean, I don't they're li- just
0: bad at special teams at this point. We're we've got what a eight-game sample at this point. They're bad at it. And I, I don't really know the solution. I don't think they're coaching it poorly. But man, the execution stinks.
1: But like and even the
0: pun return stuff is just flat out aggravating.
1: Yeah, the, the punt return, I mean, we criticized them because they would fair catch everything inside the five and the ten. Well, today there was two punts that were outside the 20 that they failed to fair catch. Like all you got to do is just run up and fair catch it at the 23 or 25. And one of them bounced inside the 10. I mean, I, I and part,
2: part, part of it is, and no, it's frustrating. It's hard to like dissect and explain and special teams is a hard topic to talk about anyway. It's so intricate. and uh, But like, you know, it's kind of like the, the double-edged sword of like trying to figure out, um, trying to figure out what to what you can do to make it work you know Keyshawn Helton is someone that you trust is maybe your most consistent fielder and even then that's not a, a great you know proposition but he certainly hasn't proven to be an explosive punt returner this year so you put Trayshawn Ward back there which the fans are clamoring for say let's see more Trayshawn Ward and he's not supernatural at it he's not someone who's been doing it for a long time but you put him back there because you know what he can do with the ball in his hands. Uh, to see, you know, what happens as a punt returner. Can he give you a spark and help you in a game where you know you're going to eat some juice? And he turns out to not be great at, at fielding the punt. It's just like, it's just, they're, I, I don't know, I can't even say they're rat-trapping because they're they're just trying different guys in different ways and none of it's really working out well for them. It, it sucks because they put in so much time into that product. Uh, that's got to drive Norvell crazy. But it has not been an asset this year. It, it's been more ass than asset.
1: Hmm. That's the name of the pod.
2: No, don't say it, no. both of you guys are done naming pods i'm You're, not naming
1: any. Pods no i'm of i'm no i'm naming all the pods
2: real quick josh real yeah. quick how did you think fsu was going to score 32 points and i don't mean how like scoring up in the 30s i mean how did you think they would get to 32 specifically
1: well i i incorporated a couple of <laughs> blocked extra points
2: <laughs> three of them two or three I got to say safety. I felt pretty good after after Jermaine uh after his touchdown there.
1: What was the halftime because score? Cuz I had
2: up 17-13. Ah, but I had So, so I, I would have been pretty I
1: would have been pretty close.
2: <laughs> Still 32 32
0: would have been hard to attain. Scoring 19 points on top of 13 is not an easy task. <laughs> That's two missed extra points or <laughs> five field goals. two touchdowns, a field
2: goal, and a safety, or five. five, five it could have Jesus. been five field five field goals and two safeties. Yeah. Well, let's let's dissect this because Josh's math skills and whatever analytics and, and algorithms he's using aside, you know, we went into this. Chris wanted to pick FSU to win. He couldn't quite pull the trigger, and he ends up probably pulling ahead in our our uh, team our staff predictions. Zach on the pod predicted Clemson to win. I forget what the score was. Uh, Vegas obviously nails it by being 10, but it was much closer than a 10-point game. And the overhead. Yeah, and the overhead, too. Um, but, you know, I mean, Josh, you and I both prognosticated FSU to win.
1: Yeah, but and I had like, a, I had a – hold on. Yeah, I, had I, mean, a, I had a, four point like FSU- FSU I had a four-point win. If FSU drives the field and scores a touchdown, I'm right. Yeah, right. Four-point win.
2: Or if FSU doesn't allow a touchdown, I'm right, because I think I had a three-point win. I think I had 24-21 mm-hmm. and was in a close range. But regardless – the like, this wasn't a far-fetched game, I think, from what we all thought it would be. It was just how did it finish, and FSU just didn't have the guns to finish it. And, again, I, the the message board, seeing the reaction from some fans who were just thinking that Mike Norvell got pencil whipped, that his staff isn't going to be able to get it done.
1: Nope, like, this was a competitive chill. game. Chill you well, guys I asked for competitive did. games all summer, did. and you got your competitive game, so enjoy it. This is what you wanted all summer. You guys asked for this. <laughs> What it's were you a lot say- harder
2: when you see competitive, mediocre team. Go ahead, Chris. I, I didn't see the pencil whip
0: comment. I think some of the reaction to that is because FSU had, what, 13 drives total, I believe it was. And they essentially did close to nothing on 11. You know, they have the 75-yard hit with Tow Philly. Great play. Great job keeping your feet. Great job finishing the play. Great for Toe Philly. Sadly, Toe Philly got rocked on that last play of the game. It was definitely banged up at that moment. He was struggling. Uh, he leaving. really struggled to get off the field. I definitely think he got hurt in the moment. His He's eyes were, it was sad. His
2: eyes were closed and like he needed help getting off the field. Like, I don't know. He was in a lot of pain.
0: And then FSU has the other touchdown drive they generate that they cap off with the Jay Sean Corbin one yarder. You know, that's what it is. Outside of that offensively, like, they weren't very good. And they were all, that's why people were going to react that way. But I think the flip side of that is Clemson's pretty damn good at defense and very good at the point of attack, which FSU did, could not counter effectively tonight. Mm-hmm. You're a little dead in the water when you can't win the line of scrimmage. Now, people can be disappointed with the defensive performance, especially the first half. I thought Sinon described that well with calling it a bit too soft, or at least in the sense of where they were allowing too much. Second half, they made some big plays, and I can live with a defense giving up yards if they're making big plays. But FSU essentially lost tonight. 24 to 20 you know the six points at the end is six points at the end to screw Vegas but that was a 24-20 football game that's pretty on par with what I think a lot of people thought it was going to play out like and disappointments perfectly fine but the better team won tonight even though Clemson's not very good they're still better than FSU they're favored by that 10 was true reason. entering the game and it's true after the game and uh, there's not a soul on earth who, who could convince me they want to take Clemson's roster over FSU, and that's not to, uh, you know, knock FSU players. I'm not trying to diminish guys after a loss. I'm just saying Clemson's roster is still
2: got plenty of talent at its disposal. Yeah. Oh, that at uh, that point, I would like to make real pick, Josh. You know, before before the game against UMass during warmups, I talked about this on the last It's pod where I looked over at Chris and said, "Oh man, we we should have picked FSU to cover." Cause you can mm-hmm. just see the physical difference with guys, just, just athletes. You know what I mean? That doesn't always translate over, but that's a good indicator when you, the eye test. Yeah. Clemson today watching them, especially their guys in the trenches on the defensive line operate and even their linebackers and just warm up stretching. I said, Oh, that's how far that these programs are in areas where it really matters. Uh so I just, just understand like this is not a good Clemson team. People saying this is a, a sorry Clemson team or stupid. Like it's not a bad whoa, Clemson whoa, whoa. team. No, 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 no. Somebody's it's edgy at it's 10 o'clock a five win football team that's lost three games by a score. They're not bad. They're not good. They're probably above average. And I think most metrics would probably point to that too. So get out of your feelings, use logic, uh, I thought FSU had a game plan to where they'd be able to do enough to pull off an upset. I thought it had the juice and the energy. They almost had it uh, in game injuries. And then the limitations with the guys with the offensive line, I think ultimately, ultimately just limit you from really being able to do that. Yeah. All right. But Clemson's better than FSU right now, guys. Like, I mean, we really, mm. we're leaving Clemson, South Carolina, I, I not think, learning the ton.
1: I think people are just emotional because this one slipped away. And like you said, everything that you said is true. The talent gap is there. Um, FSU on paper probably needs a couple more recruiting classes to match that talent gap. Yet here we were with the ball in our hands and a chance to win the game with 30 seconds to go. So that's what we want. Um, It hurts if you look at it through a microscope. Of course it does. But when you wake up tomorrow and maybe you look at the bigger picture of really battling it out with some of these programs, I mean, at least it's not embarrassing. And that's a step from where we came from. But we'll be back on Monday um, after the rewatch and dig in a little bit further. In the meantime, there's a ton of content up on Knowles247.com right now as we speak. Uh, Brendan and Chris were at the presser. They are at the game. Uh, we're keeping an eye on recruiting. We got some important visits elsewhere that we're talking a lot about on the site right now. Um, FSU didn't have a home game, but their recruits are taking some visits. So go check that out. I'll end it with a quote from Bobby Bowden on program building. I think Brendan used this in one of his stories against Notre Dame, but first you lose big, then you lose close, then you win close. And finally you win big. And unfortunately it's not a faster process. That's what we're in. We're seeing it now. This is a program that used to lose big and now we're losing close. You guys know the rest of it. See you Monday. cbs monday federal agents here's where we can see them ncis hawaii is back new criminals to catch armed robbery aggravated assault murder and new investigations to be solved these guys were good but even masters make mistakes vanessa lachey and featuring ll cool j violin island you got it welcome to paradise a new ncis hawaii monday 10 9 central on cbs and streaming on paramount plus